Hey guys, this is Vanessa Dyer, and I'm the Charlotte, North Carolina-based lifestyle blogger behind thecheekybean.com. With several successful years as a business owner, a first-time mom, and a deep passion for health and wellness, I'm here to share my honest, unfiltered advice on all things motherhood, relationships, travel, and more. So grab a coffee and join the conversation. This is the Cheeky Bean Podcast. Guys, what's up? It is just me today. I am fresh off the plane from Miami and ready to get into the work week. I did a Q&A on my Instagram stories last week and asked you guys to send in topics that you'd want to hear about on this podcast. So as a little disclaimer, if you are not into motherhood and baby products, this is probably not going to be your favorite episode because the requests were heavily around those topics. As the podcast grows, I'm going to be talking about all sorts of topics, not just motherhood and pregnancy, but I am trying to tackle what the most popular requests are first. And today they were around motherhood expectations versus reality, my breastfeeding journey, my must-have baby items, and maintaining a social life while having a toddler. With that, I am going to start by talking about my expectation versus reality in terms of motherhood, because that seemed to be the number one topic people wanted me to discuss. And to be honest, I'm not really sure what my expectation was. I think I anticipated it being a challenge, and I certainly knew that it wasn't going to be easy, but I'm the first one in my immediate group of friends to have a baby, so I didn't have much to go off of. And I honestly felt like we were going into it kind of blindly because I got pregnant in month one of the whole COVID pandemic, so no one was offering any type of in-person classes for parenting or birthing. There were no mom group meetups going on, and the classes that were offered were only online. Like, even our hospital tour, I couldn't go to the hospital and and see what my room was going to look like. It was all virtual. And for whatever reason, I had zero interest in taking any of those online. I just felt like If I was going to do it, I would rather go into it blindly than do those virtually. It felt like it took away from the experience or something. So we really did go into the entire experience with little to no expectations. But I did do a ton of researching and Googling and reading online because I didn't have a lot of friends with kids to be able to ask the questions that I did have to. So the internet really was my most resourceful tool. And looking back, I actually feel like not having a whole host of expectations outside of knowing that it was going to be hard and knowing that we probably weren't going to sleep a lot in those first few months was a blessing in disguise because we just kind of figured it out as we went. And I never felt disappointed when expectations weren't met because we just simply didn't have many to meet. I will say in terms of our own personal sanity, we did discuss ahead of time what our expectations were of each other. And I would highly recommend doing that because I knew that working out was something I didn't want to give up. And Shane knew that playing golf on the weekends was something that he didn't want to give up. Fun fact, for those of you who don't know much about my husband, he played college golf at Wingate in Charlotte. So he is still very much ingrained in the sport and likes to play tournaments. And he treats golf as a stress reliever, just like I treat the gym. So both of us find those things important and they make us better parents because that's what keeps us healthy and sane. So we figured out a schedule that would allow us to do those things that felt fair for both parties in advance so that once the baby got here, it wasn't a conversation that we had to worry about after the fact. We were both already on the same page in terms of those things. 
Um, and we were also on the same page that this child was a 50-50 split in terms of responsibility. We were equally responsible for him and we never wanted it to feel like one person was carrying a heavier load than the other. Obviously, there are times where one of us is traveling for work, which is typically Shane, and the other is solely responsible for him in those situations. But outside of that, we really do a great job of being equally present with the responsibility. On the flip side, in terms of reality, there was a lot that I wasn't anticipating. For starters, I was not prepared for how in love I would feel with this tiny human. Everybody talks about it, everybody tries to explain it to you, but I don't think that it's fully possible to understand how much your heart grows and what that means until you have been through it. I, prior to Liam, was never a kid person. I'm not naturally motherly and nurturing, and if I'm being fully transparent, I was pretty fearful that I would still feel like that with my own child, and it could not be more opposite. I'm actually shocked with myself at how obsessed and in love and all about him I am. I'm definitely now the mom that's singing all the nursery rhymes and the songs, and I'm buying all the crap that isn't aesthetically pleasing in my house because I know that it'll benefit him. If you would have told me that two years ago, I probably would have laughed because I never saw myself changing so exponentially. But the second you lay eyes on that baby, your heart just grows in a way that is inexplainable. I was also so surprised at how long it took me to be okay with leaving him. It ties in with reality versus expectations, but it was also a question from you guys I thought that I would be okay with leaving him, but it definitely took me some time. We did not leave him for our first overnight until he was over five months old, and we did not have childcare for him until he was a little over four months old. And even then, I mentally was in no shape to drop him off at a daycare. I know people have to do that for their jobs or they prefer to do that but I mentally just was not there yet. So we opted for the nanny route because I work from home and I felt like I could still be a part of his day. I could see him. I could hear him. I just felt more comfortable with him still being in our environment. But even then, the first few weeks, Shane and I looked at each other and we said it felt so weird not to be with him and ingrained in his day all day, every day. And now he's 14 months old and I still have a hard time leaving him with anyone that's not family or someone we know, even if it's just a date night. My sister-in-law is our primary babysitter and she usually watches him for us for date nights. But if she's not available, we'll ask our nanny or we have one alternate babysitter that our nanny recommended to us and other friends have also used and recommended. But outside of that, I very much feel like the no new friends type. I mean, we could absolutely benefit from having more people in our circle because there have been so many times where we couldn't do something or something came up last minute and no one was available. So we had to miss out on that just because we don't have other established relationships of people we could reach out to. But I, I just really struggle with it. I'm really protective of him and I struggle with the unknown that comes with leaving him with essentially a complete stranger. And at the end of the day, 14 months old isn't that old. So I think it's totally normal and okay to feel that way. I mean, I took little baby steps and I dropped him off at the Y probably a month ago. The, our Y has childcare for the first time. And that was with somebody that obviously I did not know. But 
for me, it helped me to know that I was going to be within the building. If something were to happen, I was right there. They knew where I was. And I think if I had to give advice on leaving your child for the first time with somebody that you don't know, that is a great way to do it. It feels like the baby step you need in between the big leap when you're completely leaving the house. Um, And then something else that a lot of moms shared with me when we were looking to leave Liam for his first overnight away was to pick a place that was within driving distance, see how you do. If you can't stand it, you can come right back at the drop of a hat. And if you're fine, then you can venture out a little further on the next try. But I think finding people that both you and your little are comfortable with in terms of the overnight is essential because you are going to feel a lot less worried if you feel confident in who is watching your child. And if it's somebody that your child is familiar with, they are nine times out of 10 not going to feel as much separation anxiety because they're already familiar with the person that they are being left with. I also had no idea that I would experience severe anxiety around Liam's health. I'm not typically an anxious person, But with COVID, RSV, and flu season all in full swing when he was born, I was constantly nervous that something would happen. And I felt like the baby police. I was constantly asking people to wash their hands before holding him, to not kiss him, to please wear a mask, because I was so insanely nervous about COVID and people coming from different states and being in airports and being on planes. And I just always thought that I'd be so ready to show him off. But in all reality, when it came down to it, I really wanted to protect him from all of the potentially bad things that could happen. And I put off letting a ton of people come over because I couldn't stand the anxious feeling. Thankfully, that subsided with time, but those first few weeks and months were really rough on me in terms of that. You're feeling the anxiousness of protecting this baby, but you're also feeling the weight of having to be the bad guy constantly with everyone who wants to visit. And it made me really wish that there was a better general understanding of etiquette around moms and newborns so that women didn't always have to feel like the bad guy. But, you know, I think COVID was really new, and while washing your hands is is general etiquette with a baby, you still have to remind people of that, and, you know, you have to ask people to wear a mask because no one's used to wearing a mask, and it was completely new territory for me to feel this way. I was never expecting to feel anxious about my baby and his health, but I did, and then I also felt guilty on top of that for, for feeling that way, which I think a lot of moms go through, but I wish that the association of asking those questions to protect your baby didn't make you feel like a crazy person because that's how I felt in in those moments. The next question was, what is the hardest part of being a new mom? I think that this looks very different for everyone. For me, it was trying to figure out how to be a mom and still get everything else done. I had a baby within a few weeks of several of my peers, and it seemed like I was the only one who really took a step back from my job for a while, which really made me feel like I was doing something wrong. The the caveat to this job, while in most aspects is incredible, is that there is no PTO. So if you take time off, you don't get paid, and I had planned to at least give myself one month off 
but my peers didn't skip a beat on Instagram stories. They were traveling with and without their babies within a few weeks of having them. They were posting pictures and videos nonstop. And I was over here just struggling to figure out how the heck I was going to take a shower in a day, which that truly made me feel less than. Like I wasn't worthy of my job because I couldn't figure out how to keep up and they could. It took us almost five months to find someone we trusted with Liam and I've been really open in sharing our childcare journey because I think those people who don't skip a beat generally have a ton of help, but they don't publicize that they have a ton of help. And I think if you, if you do, it helps a lot of people realize, okay, well, they're doing this because they have an army of people behind them helping them. When I'm sitting here and it's just Shane and I, and it's physically impossible, and especially in those first few months, to get it all done. I never want anyone to feel how I felt in those moments. I've always shared that we have part-time help at home because I truly feel like that's the only way I was able to keep up once we had help. Like I said earlier, we didn't have help until Liam was four months old. So for four months, I'd only given myself one month of time off. I was trying to figure out how on God's green earth I was going to make taking care of this infant and my job work at the same time. And it was really close to impossible. And that was probably the hardest thing about being a new mom. Along those same lines, I think the biggest realization in terms of motherhood for me is that momming is a full-time freaking job. It is busy. It can be hard. It can be emotional. It can be all the things. Your entire day revolves around making sure that this child is thriving. And I had always heard that it was a full-time job. My mom preached about that when I was a kid, but that didn't really get put into perspective for me until I was in it. I had zero time to accurately do this job because when he was napping, I was pumping. When he was awake, I was breastfeeding or changing diapers or doing laundry or taking him for a walk for some fresh air, going to the pediatrician. It is around the clock. So I definitely gained a newfound respect for all mothers when I had my own child. The next question was around breastfeeding. Did I breastfeed? If so, for how long and how did I wean? Yes, I did breastfeed. I actually was not sure how I would feel about breastfeeding because when I grew up, my mom talked a lot about how she had mastitis with my sister and I, and she kind of struggled with it. So I believe we were formula fed. But once I saw Liam, it just kind of came naturally to me. The lactation consultants in the hospital were fantastic with helping us figure out how to get him to latch. So we never really had an issue with that. I did, however, constantly feel like Liam wasn't getting enough food from my breast milk. He wasn't feeling full. So about two weeks after I had him, I started pumping just so that I would be able to see how much milk I was producing. And sure enough, I was producing exactly what he needed to be drinking on a daily basis. So there wasn't, I was never somebody who could fill up our freezer with a freezer stash. My goal was to get to six months of breastfeeding with Liam, but I got the COVID vaccine around four months postpartum, and within 48 hours of getting the vaccine, my left side completely dried up milk-wise. So I called the pediatrician. They said it was fine to start supplementing with formula. I still breastfed from the right side and supplemented the difference with formula. We just did part breast milk, part formula in a bottle with him. And he had zero issues, but because my breastfeeding journey ended so abruptly, there really was no weaning. Thankfully, he took a bottle perfectly fine and he took to the formula perfectly fine. He had a a, a few different times where you could tell on his face, like the first few times we mixed the formula in that the taste was different, but he didn't ever really fully refuse it. So 
that transition was really smooth, thankfully. And this was when Liam was four months old, by the way. I felt really sad that my journey ended before I was ready for it to end because I loved the bond that it created between Liam and I, but mentally it ended up being a good thing for me. I was constantly frustrated with pumping and not producing enough and feeling stressed about that. So when we removed the pumping element, I actually felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Liam was also thriving like crazy on formula. As soon as we made the switch, he gained weight like crazy and got all those chunky little rolls that are so delicious that he has now. So I do think that my intuition that he was still hungry all the time was correct. I I didn't share a ton about the switch on social media because I was worried about judgment that would come with it. I was still really fragile and that's a topic that people are super passionate about. And I come from the understanding that fed is best and whatever that means for your baby is different for everyone. And I hate the mom shaming that comes with this topic if it doesn't align with your version of the journey. So even though I was sad that it ended before I wanted it to end looking back, I do think that it was best for both of us. I also had a lot of people ask, how do you find balance between being a mom and taking care of yourself? And I think the easiest way to answer this is that we have help. This year, we have our nanny four days a week. Last year, we had her three days a week. And while I primarily use the time that she's with us to work, it also allows me to schedule appointments. I can go to a workout during the day if I want to do a berries class over a lunch or go to West Kept Secret. I can run errands if I need to. So it's okay to ask for help. I strongly believe that taking care of yourself is a key component to being a better mom because if I feel good and I have an outlet to release stress, which could be anything from going to the gym or getting a facial, going to get my nails done, then I can come back with my cup full, which allows me to give my undivided attention to Liam. I can be a better mom. I have all the energy in the world. I just feel like a better person if I can do those things, but I do think that it would be a lot harder if we didn't have the help, which allows me the time to go do those things. And on the days that we don't have help, if there's something that I really want to go do, which is Fridays, Shane works from home, and I think we do a really good job of respecting each other's needs and wants. Nine times out of 10, if I can work whatever it is that I need to do around his schedule or his meetings or maybe over lunch, then he'll watch Liam for me and vice versa. Up next was what did you buy and never use and what was worth the splurge? I actually wrote a whole blog post on all of the items that we had for Liam prior to his arrival. I'll go ahead and link it in the show notes so that you guys can go back and look at it. But when I take a look at that list, I actually think we did a really good job and not overbuying for him because we used almost everything on that list and we used all those items fairly frequently. I, I wouldn't say that there's anything on that list that we didn't need outside of the bottle sterilizer. I purchased a bottle sterilizer and we used it maybe two times and I would not recommend purchasing that if you are going through your baby registry list or looking at items that you need for an upcoming child. Your dishwasher does the exact same thing and the bottle sterilizer is ugly, it's big, it's bulky, takes up a ton of space on the counter and like I said, the dishwasher does the same thing so we would just load all the bottles into the dishwasher every night, turn it on and we would have all clean bottles that were sterilized and dry by the morning. Now in terms of splurge worthy items, uh, the first thing that jumped into my mind was the baby Brezza. If you think you're going to use formula at any point in time, I would highly recommend buying the baby Brezza. It is so worth it. It is essentially the Keurig of formula. 
So it looks just like a Keurig. It operates just like a Keurig, but instead of dispensing coffee, it dispenses the perfect sized bottle of formula. So there's no fuss with measuring water. There's no fuss with measuring formula. It's not messy and you don't need a bottle warmer because it heats the bottle to the perfect temperature. So that's something that I would say Like I said, if you're going to use formula at any point, I would highly recommend that just for convenience purposes. I mean, we loved it so much that we even unplugged it and took it with us if we were going to my parents or to Charleston or anywhere for a road trip. It just made life so much easier. The other item that comes to mind that I tell everybody to get, all of my friends are pregnant right now. I have told them all, add this to your registry because I didn't have it right off the bat, but it was something that we got a little bit down the road and wish we had earlier, is the slumber pod. So if you're not familiar with what the slumber pod is, it is a blackout tent that goes over top of the bassinet or the pack and play. And we use ours every time we travel. So it goes over his little pack and play and it completely blacks out the space for him, but it still lets in air and oxygen and um, he's able to sleep better because I think he doesn't realize that he's somewhere else. It looks very similar to his room because we have blackout curtains in his room. So we've never had an issue with nap time or him sleeping elsewhere because we always use the slumber pod over his pack and play. So I would also say if you plan on traveling or doing overnights at your parents or anywhere that does not have blackout curtains similar to your baby's space and what they're used to, you definitely want to consider getting the slumber pod. The next question was, how do you find time for your spouse? And if I'm being 100% honest, I don't really feel qualified to give this advice because Shane and I do not have this figured out very well yet. We actually just talked about it at dinner over Valentine's Day. Him and I finally got to have dinner, just the two of us together. And it was only the second date night since Liam was born that the two of us went to dinner alone, which is crazy. We love to go do things with friends and we say yes to all the birthday parties and we do a lot with family and we say yes to the trips with friends. But because we say yes to so many other things, you can only ask a sitter so many times, I feel like, and especially because we use my sister-in-law a lot. So when we say yes to all those things, it kind of takes away time from Shane and I being able to go do dinner just us two or a trip just us two. So while we were at dinner, we said, why don't we pick one night a month to do a date night, just the two of us, like a standing date night every third Friday of the month, just the two of us. If we know we're doing that every month, then we won't schedule something over it and we will have plenty of time to be able to arrange a sitter or somebody to watch Liam every month on that day. So that's something that we're doing to make more time for each other. Outside of that, when Liam was five months old, our first overnight away from him was actually a trip just us two, and I highly recommend that because we both came back from that trip feeling so much better about everything. It felt like it rejuvenated our marriage. It made us stronger as a couple. We talked a lot about parenting and our child, and we were just so on the same page, but it was because we finally had undivided attention to talk about these things without the interruptions of being at home with a child or being out with our friends, and that is something that we want to continue to do. So far this year, we do not have a a trip planned like that, but it is something that we've talked about, and I do think it's important to at least try to do that once a year. 
The last and final question, what was childbirth like? Do you recommend an epidural? Was childbirth scary? I was actually 10 days overdue, so I had a scheduled induction, and initially I was very against being induced and really wanted to go into labor on my own, but if I could go back and choose to be induced again, I absolutely would. I think for me, the fact that it was scheduled, I knew what time I needed to be at the hospital, I knew my room was going to be ready, I knew that I wasn't going to be separated from Shane when I went into labor, really just provided me with a sense of peace. I'm a very regimented and scheduled person. So for me, that was awesome. And I think my biggest fear around induction was hearing all the stories about the contractions being so much worse than contractions that come when your body goes into labor naturally. But I got there. We checked into the hospital at 9 a.m. That's what time I needed to be there. They walked us to our room. I unpacked my bag. I was able to take a shower that morning. It was all just very calm. I got a great night's sleep the night before, so I felt very rested and ready to give this thing my all. And in terms of the contractions, I don't know any different because I've only had one kid and and obviously I was induced, but it was very manageable and I am not, I don't have a high pain tolerance. I am, I'm a baby when it comes to pain. It was very manageable until about an hour after they broke my water. So, you know, they give you Pitocin to get the whole process started and then they come in and they check how dilated you are and around one o'clock, They came in and they were like, all right, you know, you're, I think I was at a six. They're like, we're ready to break your water. Just so you know, once we break your water, it goes zero to 60 really quick in terms of the contractions. So if you want an epidural, we would really recommend asking for it right now. Well, the pain was so manageable for me. I mean, it didn't feel good, but it was definitely manageable that I was like, I'm going to wait. I'm okay. I'm going to wait until I really need it, which in hindsight, hindsight's always 2020, right? I, what in the world? I should have just listened to them. I um, went zero to 60, just like they said, very quickly. I progressed from a six to a nine and a half by the time the anesthesiologist got to me. So they typically only have one anesthesiologist and an hour or so after I they broke my water, it was so unbearable. I asked for the epidural and of course he had a patient ahead of me. So he didn't come for another hour. And by then I was nine and a half centimeters. So I was enduring these insane contractions that were extremely painful and I was at the very last possible second that you could get this epidural. So I got an epidural. It, for whatever reason, only numbed half of my body. So this gentleman is getting ready to leave the room. And I'm like, sir, I can feel everything on the right side of my body. Is that normal? He tells me, no, it's not normal at all. So I get a second epidural. And because that's essentially getting two doses of the drugs, I was numb from my neck down. And that made it a little bit difficult to push because I was like double numb and really could, couldn't feel very much. I could barely even feel the pressure from the contractions. So I will say I do recommend the epidural. I know that was part of the question because, I mean, it made things go from completely unbearable to I was completely fine. I mean, I was smiling. I was laughing. It was it was like night and day from what had been going on. I would just say, go ahead and get it when you get to the hospital, especially if you are in labor naturally. 
if you're not and you're being induced like me, then listen to them because they are not kidding when they say it goes zero to 60 when they break your water. I, in the next go around, will do one of, one of those two things. I don't know, you know, how it will go down, but, um, I would definitely get it when my water breaks or as soon as I get there, if I'm already in labor on my own. In terms of childbirth being scary, I overall didn't feel like it was very scary. However, I did have a few moments of time that I was scared and they were mainly around the fact that the cord was wrapped around Liam's neck. So when we checked in and got hooked up to the monitors, our nurse suspected that the cord was wrapped around his neck based off of what his heart rate was doing on the scan. And I had already been sent to labor and delivery five days before this for the same exact reason. I had an irregular NST scan and they were worried about the same thing then. At that point, they had determined that I just had a very active baby. Well, it turns out it was because the cord was wrapped around his neck and I was in prodormal labor at the time. So I was having mild contractions then. And when I got to the hospital and she suspected this, I asked her, is this something that we need to be worried about? Because I didn't really have a birth plan. The only thing I knew for certain that I did not want was a C-section. And I was always told if the cord is wrapped around the baby's neck, you have to have a C-section. So our nurse was not worried about it. She didn't seem too concerned. She said, typically, you can still have a vaginal birth. And her demeanor in explaining everything to us made me feel a lot better about the situation. Then fast forward to when I started pushing, we could hear Liam's heart rate dropping all the way down to zero at certain points on the monitor. And then it would jump really high back up. And so I pushed for 30-ish minutes. And I think around the 20-minute mark, my doctor was like, hey, if you can't get him out in the next few minutes, I'm going to have to help you. And I don't know if she meant C-section by that or what she meant by that. But in my mind, I was like, nope, I know what that means. I don't want help. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. But because I couldn't feel very much because I had two epidurals, um, this is probably TMI, but they offered a mirror to me to be able to see if that could help tell my brain what to do. And that worked. So we grabbed the mirror. I was able to get him out in the next 10 minutes. And I saw her unwrap the cord from his neck several times. He was super blue. So I felt very scared in that moment because he didn't cry right away. He was really blue. Um, I was watching her unwrap the cord so many times and that was like terrifying to me. But as soon as he finally cried and they laid him on my chest, all of that went away. So all in all, I had a really beautiful birth experience and I'm totally pleased and happy with how it went. And I wouldn't say that it was scary. There were just little tidbits or moments of time that that were scary, but ended up being fine. I think if you're at the hospital and you trust your doctors, you're in the best possible care that you can be in. And they are going to do everything in their power to make sure that you and your baby are okay. And I found a lot of peace and confidence in that. The last thing I'll say about what childbirth was like, and this might help anybody who is feeling anxious or nervous about childbirth. I was in so much awe of the female body and how much power we have and how strong we are after the fact. It felt like such a magical experience that I was blown away by. I would be bummed if I never got to do it again because 
it was truly surreal and so eye-opening, not only for me, but for Shane too. I mean, my gosh, he was on the phone with all his coworkers. Um, he had to go right back to work after we had Liam, but I could hear him on the phone because he was working from home and he was like, my wife is such a warrior. So that was such a cool experience to get to go through together and to also see it through his lens. I mean, he like put me up on this pedestal and, and tells everybody that that entire experience is one of the most magical things that you can do as a couple together. So if you're feeling nervous about it and you're anxious, I totally get your feelings, but just know that it is one of the coolest experiences I have ever gone through in my entire life. And I hope that you find some comfort in that. So that was my Q&A. We did a lot of motherhood, pregnancy, and birth, and a lot of Liam. Can never have too much Liam. I hope you guys like these Q&As, and if you do, please let me know on my latest Instagram so that I can keep doing them. In the meantime, make sure you rated and reviewed the podcast, and again, let me know what your favorite part was. I hope you guys loved it. Thank you for listening. We will be back with a new episode soon, and of course, don't forget to follow the Cheeky Bean Podcast on Instagram.